Constance. And I'm Lucinda. And together in our Kids Law podcast, we're going to take a look at how laws affect children as we grow up. So what are we going to look at in this episode, Emma Constance? Well, when we started our podcast series over two years ago, I was 10 years old. And we discussed that 10 was also the age of criminal responsibility in England and Wales. I know that the age was raised to 12 years old in Scotland, and I want to know why and how the law was changed there. Well, that is a great question, and I know you have just turned 12 yourself, so happy birthday, Alma Constance. Yes, 10 years does seem to be a very young age. And in the episode in Series 1 with the Director of Public Prosecutions, Max Hill Casey, he said it was the government in England and Wales who set the age. Scotland is part of the United Kingdom, but it has a separate legal system and government, which means that they're able to make their own laws on certain issues. Let's talk to Bruce Adamson, the Children and Young People's Commissioner of Scotland. He works with his team to protect the human rights of children and young people. Hello, Bruce. Thank you so much for joining us on our Kids Law podcast today. We are so glad to have you here. Can you please explain your role and what it means? Hello, both of you. It's wonderful to, to join you and, and happy happy birthday, Alma Constance. My job is the best job in the world as the Children and Young People's Commissioner of Scotland. It's my job to promote and safeguard the rights of everyone in Scotland up to the age of 18, so all children And I also look after those between 18 and 21 who are care experienced, recognising the additional rights that they have. And it's the best job in the world because I get to spend my time working directly with children and young people, finding out about the issues that matter to them, and then going and taking them and their views to places of power and getting politicians and local authorities and police and teachers and everyone else uh, who has duties towards children and young people to properly make sure that they're fulfilling children's rights. And so I work very closely with colleagues across the UK, but also the international community, to to make sure that there's a really clear understanding of rights and that children get the things that they need. So very focused on the Convention on the Rights of the Child and very focused on making sure that those in power are held to account. It's a wonderful role because I was um, my office was set up by an act of parliament, and so I'm fully independent of government, and that gives me the ability to hold those in power to account and use legal powers like going to court or doing investigations to make things better for children. So when I became Children's Commissioner, I came in with three laws that I wanted to change, and so... One was on the physical punishment of children, because in Scotland, parents had the ability to use physical punishment on their children. They still can in England and Northern Ireland, but Scotland and Wales have now both changed our law to make sure that children can't be hit, smacked, or physically disciplined by their parents or carers. And again, this is one of the examples where almost every other country in Europe has already passed this. So this was a a really big campaign that that we did in Scotland and we got that law changed. And so that that was one of my top priorities and we we were successful there. Um, The age of criminal responsibility is is the the other one and we've been partly successful with that one. And then the third one is, is the incorporation of the Convention on the Rights of the Child. So this is the bringing the international children's law into Scotland. So they were my big three laws I wanted changed. I'm really interested to know why the age of criminal responsibility is now 12 years old in Scotland. 
Can you tell us why and how the age was raised? Yes, this has been one of my, my big concerns. When I became Children's Commissioner six years ago, it was one of my three top priorities because Scotland had one of the lowest ages of criminal responsibility in the world at just eight. And this had been a big point of concern for all of the international human rights bodies and all of those in Scotland who have been campaigning to make sure that children's rights are respected. And the the United Nations, the Committee on the Rights of the Child, but also the Committee Against Torture, and also the Council of Europe and the European Union, all of the international evidence shows that having a higher age of criminal responsibility is much, much better. Because using the criminal law to punish children for their behavior really doesn't work. Um, What it does is it makes children feel bad about themselves. There's a lot of stigma that goes along. With, with criminalization, and all the evidence shows that it means that it's more likely for children to go on to do other harmful behavior. And so what we need to do is recognize that the way to ensure that children are kept safe and that children don't get into to trouble and do things that harm others is to put proper supports and welfare-based supports around them and their families. And if things do go wrong, then to make sure that there's a welfare-based response to to help them and support them to address their behaviour. So raising the age of criminal responsibility is a really important part of that. And so while it's it's a good thing that we moved the age from 8 to 12, we passed a law in Scotland, that law started to apply from from December 2021, Um, it only moved the age to 12. And that's two years below the absolute minimum that the UN and the Council of Europe and all of the human rights experts in the world have said that 14 is the absolute minimum. And countries that have an age of 15 or 16 or higher um, actually have, have better results in terms of both supporting children and keeping victims safe as well. Children are much more likely to be the victims of harm than they are to harm other people. But also it's that when children are harming others, we need to look at at what's happened in their lives and what happens in terms of support for for them and their families and and approach it from a welfare point of view, because using the criminal law or punishing children just, just makes the problem so much worse. It actually increases the risk that those children will go on and do other harmful behavior. So it was a really strong campaign with children and young people, but also very much led by the international evidence. What has been the effect of raising the age? Well, it's still quite a new thing in Scotland, but what the main thing that it's done is really changed some of the discussions that are happening around how we properly support children and young people. So in Scotland, we have a children's hearing system so that if there are concerns about children and if children are needing more support, particularly if their behaviour is harming others, they can go into this welfare-based system where a panel of people will work with them and their families and with social work and with schools and others to come up with a plan that'll make sure that 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 child's kept safe and looked after and that they're not harming others. And so what we've done is moved more children into that system rather than the criminal justice system, which really isn't designed for children at all. And so it's really started to change the conversation about where the age of criminal responsibility should be, but also what, what's the role of, of the criminal law in society and the recognition that the criminal law really isn't very good at actually changing behaviour and supporting children and young people.
Did you ask children for their views before raising the age of criminal responsibility? This is a really interesting question because we work directly with children and young people. We have young advisors and Throughout the process of the campaign, we worked with lots of children, both those that had been in trouble with the law and conflict with the law and kind of been through the system themselves, but also those who'd been victims of crime. And so their experience was really important. But when we're talking about rights that protect children, we have to make the decisions based on what's the best way to protect children. And sometimes that's not actually what children ask for themselves. And so sometimes when you talk to children about criminal justice matters, children are saying, well, as older children, we can make our own decisions and we should be held responsible. But actually the the convention on the rights of the child is very clear that children need to be protected. And so sometimes when adults make decisions, we need to do that on the basis of the protection of children. And so this is one of those issues where actually the views of children on criminalization probably aren't as important as as in some other areas. Because even if every child in Scotland said to me that they wanted a low age of criminal responsibility, we would still say, because this is a matter of protection, you shouldn't be able to kind of uh, express a view that takes you out of the protection. Sometimes the the role of of decision makers and and adults is to put protection in, even if it's not the thing that, that children and young people ask for. And that's a really important thing to recognise. But because this is about protecting children from the use by the government of the law to punish them, um, we know that we need to make sure that we, we raise the age of criminal responsibility, even if children don't necessarily want it raised themselves. What are some projects you are working on now? And do you have children on your teams? Yes, we do. One of the best things about this job is that we work directly with children and young people. And when I started this job, uh, I went all around Scotland and spoke to children and young people of all ages, of all different experiences. Um, It's the best part of the job. And I asked them what priorities they wanted me to work on. And so those are the things that really set the the priorities that that we have. Because as Children's Commissioner, it's my job to look at every issue for every child. And that's quite difficult to make the decisions on, on which issues we'll work on. And so the way that we do that is by working with children and young people. And then also we have young advisors. So I've got a group of young advisors who work really closely with my office. And they're the ones that actually wrote my strategic plan. And the three things that mattered most to them were mental health, poverty, and and climate justice. And so they've been the three themes that I've that I've really worked on alongside the three legal changes that that I wanted to make. Um, so poverty's always been a really big issue since before COVID and the most recent cost of living increases and energy crisis. And focusing on the fact that it's the government's job to make sure that everyone has an adequate standard of living. So all children should have a safe, warm house, good, nutritious food, all the kind of clothes and things that they need to, to live and to thrive. And government's been really failing on that. And so one of our big pieces of work is really challenging government at the UK level, at the Scottish level, and at local authority level to make sure that they actually live up to their obligations. Because at the moment, this failure, this political choice not to provide the necessities of life for, for families is damaging children's lives all across the UK and in Scotland. We have over 250,000 children of that 1 million. 
directly affected by poverty and it, and it impacts on health, it impacts on education, it impacts on socialization. It's one of the biggest human rights issues. And so we're, we're, we're challenging government at all levels to actually live up to their responsibility to make sure that the children have the things that they need. And mental health is, is another big one that, that children have really raised with us. Huge concerns from before COVID, but then been made much, much worse during COVID. Not enough mental health support. And that this isn't in hospital and mental illness. This is about mental health and well-being. It's about counselling in schools. It's about training for, for teachers and youth workers and others that support children and families. But I'm really concerned that we're not doing enough at the moment to support mental health and particularly the the additional pressures on mental health from, from COVID. So those are two big issues that we're working on at the moment because children told us they were most important. How do children become young advisors? So the young advisors to my office are, are absolutely amazing and they are, are all very, very different. They come from different parts of Scotland. They've got different experiences. They're different ages and, and how they become young advisors is that every year we do a, a public campaign and they can put themselves forward to become young advisors. And so that's how we get some of them. But others, we, we work with, with other organisations who support children and young people, particularly those children who, whose rights are most at risk. And we work with them to, to help identify and find some young advisors who will be able to give a different perspective to those young people who put themselves forward. Because sometimes children whose rights are most at risk, they're less likely to, to put themselves forward. So we work with organisations that, that work with disabled children or young carers or care experienced children or gypsy traveller children or others to make sure that children with experience of a, a parent in prison, all of these, these groups of children that, that maybe don't have their voices heard as much. And we work with organisations that work with them and can support them to bring them into our group because we try and get a really diverse range of, of experiences, as well as a really good spread all around the country, including island and rural communities, as well as, as well as the cities. In England, the government wants to change the human rights law. What is the situation in Scotland? Yeah, this is a really important point. And the, the UK government down in London is wanting to change the law, the Human Rights Act, which is the law that protects some human rights, including for children. And that would be really concerning because it would stop people challenging the government's decisions in relation to human rights. In Scotland, we're doing something totally different. And it's really exciting because what the Scottish government and the Scottish Parliament did two years ago is they passed a law that would bring the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child, which is this international children's law, and actually bring that into Scotland. And so what that would mean is that children would have really strong legal protections on things like housing and healthcare and education, things that'll that'll help address poverty, that'll address mental health, that'll make sure that when governments are making decisions that they properly listen to children and young people and they have to be able to prove that they've listened to children and young people and made decisions in their best interest, including in things like how they set their budgets. And so um, that's really exciting that Scotland's committed to do that. Um, and then that will mean that in Scotland, children will have much, much stronger legal protections. And so what we should see in Scotland is a really massive change in terms of the way in which people in power actually think about children's rights. And so I think it's really important that, that children and young people and those of us that are working to support children and young people 
are able to campaign in the other parts of the UK as well to try and get proper laws to protect children's rights in in England, Wales and Northern Ireland, as well as as here in Scotland. I note that the online safety bill is going through the Westminster Parliament in England and that one of its aims is to protect children online. How will this apply in Scotland and what do you think about it? So this is a bill that that will apply all across the UK because of the way in which the, the agreement between the countries work. So it's a piece of law that's been worked on for, for a long time, and, and it links very closely with some of the stuff that's happening in, in the European Union as well. And I think it, it's really positive. One of the things that um, we have to be really aware of is that the world is, is constantly changing. And when they wrote the Convention on the Rights of the Child, which is the, the law which sets out children's rights, that was 30 years ago. So it was actually before the internet existed in the same way that it does now. It was before children had the same access to the internet and to social media. The, the world's changed significantly. And we've been quite slow, I think, with making sure that the laws that we have are right for, for things that are happening. And so the new rules that are being developed will make sure that, that social media companies and other online companies, organizations will be much more responsible for keeping children safe when they're online. This is really important. And so it'll mean that that social media companies will need to make sure that that harmful content isn't there in the first place um, and that children are prevented from accessing content that, that's not appropriate for their age. And so lots of stuff around technology and, and making sure that we're keeping children safe online, but also allowing children to understand and, and make decisions about online content as well and, and some stuff about the role of parents. So it's a really positive piece of legislation and it'll apply across the UK. So I'm working closely with the Children's Commissioners in, in England and Wales and Northern Ireland as well on this. One of the things where I think that the, the legislation could be a bit stronger is focusing on how children and young people can be involved in helping to create the guidance around social media companies and, and what they do, because this is an area where I think children and young people are the real experts. You understand the technology in a way that, that most adults don't. You use it in a different way to most adults. So it's really important that you're right at the heart um, of how the guidance is created and how the rules are created, it, it needs to be something that's done alongside children and young people's voices and rights. Do you work with other organisations to help protect children? Do you have any examples of this? Yeah, I mean, so there's there's one children's commissioner in Scotland, that's me, and I've got a small team here in Edinburgh, but there's over a million children across Scotland. So all of our work is, is done alongside partner organisations. So we work really closely with, with nurseries and schools, with civil society organisations. So these are organisations that are, that are working with and for children, charity organisations and others. Um, we work very closely with, with the police, with social work, with the NHS. And so everything we do is, is in partnership with others. So while this role is, is unique in that I've got a, a legal function, I've got a, a law which, which gives me my independence and gives me all these powers to protect children, the only way I can do that effectively is working with lots of other organisations who are working with and for children as well. And the most important part of that is the children and young people themselves. And so the, the biggest kind of partner that we have is children and young people. So everything that we do every day, we involve children and young people in it. And particularly for children and young people who 
need additional support, we do that in partnership with 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 organisations. Because one of the things that that's really important is that um, children have trusted adults around them, and so often we work in partnership with organisations who are able to have longer term relationships with the children and support them through school or, or through the community. And we'll work with those adults to make sure that the children are protected and supported long term. Can you tell us what your typical day looks like? There, there is no typical day for, for a children's commissioner. It's one of the things I, I love about the job because the work is so varied. So this week, I spent a lot of time yesterday in a couple of nurseries playing in the sand and painting and singing songs and finding out about what was important to very young children. And then today, I was giving a lecture at one of the universities. I'll often be meeting with, with ministers, so members of the members of the Scottish government, cabinet ministers to, to discuss changes in law. I'll be working with, with my young advisors this Saturday. We're going to spend a day doing a whole bunch of things, including some filming for a couple of conferences that are coming up and also doing some work on some of our mental health investigation. So every day is is different. When I, when I got this job and I travelled around the country and asked children what they wanted from me as their children's commissioner, one of the things that they said was that they wanted me to come to their communities to find out what was important to them and do that in a way that made sense. So that is the kind of kind of going to youth clubs or kicking a football around or playing at the nursery, all of that type of stuff, finding out what's really important in children's lives and then take that information to places of power. And so that's when you you put the suit on and you go off to parliament and, and have um, really difficult conversations with with politicians or, or at local authority where you kind of argue with them over budgets and a big campaign this week around fighting against funding cuts to music tuition in Scotland. And then yesterday I wrote a, an opinion piece on the UK government's illegal migration bill. So it, it's a combination of singing, dancing and playing in the mud and then writing legal opinions and giving lectures and arguing with politicians and going to court to take them to account. And every day is is different, but it's all equally valuable and, and, and equally important. And, and that's why it is the, the best job in the world, because you get to provide this bridge between children and their lived experience and people in power and the international legal community and the way in which it's delivered at a local level. So again, another thing I'll be doing tomorrow is doing some work with the United Nations, where there's a big event on about um, stuff linked to the, the online safety bill. There's a big a human rights council meeting they're having a day of discussion around children's rights in the digital world and so there is no typical working day and i think that's as it should be because you have to be dynamic and adaptable and have to be led by what's most important to children and young people i have a question i ask all of our guests what were you like when you were 10 and what did you imagine you'd go on to be as an adult Oh, that's another great question. So I grew up, as you may tell from my accent, in New Zealand. And so I grew up in fairly rural New Zealand in the lower North Island. And so when I was 10, I was spending a lot of time out and about, lots of sport, lots of time at the beach. I come from a farming community, so lots of time on, on the farm as well. And I don't know that I really had much of a clear idea about what I wanted to do with my life. But the commitment that I kind of developed probably a little bit after 10 to children's rights and human rights was really watching my mum, who was a mental health nurse in Maori communities, and really watching 
her use her skill and professionalism to really change people's lives and and change communities. And so I think that probably was inspiring me when I was kind of 10 and a little, a little bit older. But it wasn't until much later that I decided to become a lawyer and, and a human rights advocate. Well, thank you so much, Bruce, for coming on our podcast and telling us about the work of the Children and Young People's Commissioner in Scotland. Do you have any final advice for children who want to understand more about the issues you've discussed? Yeah, I think one of my favourite things that, that I've been doing over the last few years is working with children and young people to help support them to become human rights defenders. And this is a, this is a word we used to describe children and young people like you who use the law and use campaigning and protest and, and all sorts of other things to try and make the world a better place and try and change things. And so I think being a human rights defender as a child is something really powerful and use your voice, learn about rights and learn about how you can use them to change the things that matter to you. And I think always remembering that you've got a right to have your voice heard on any issues that affect you. You've got a right for adults to make decisions in your best interest. And that means they do have to listen to you and you've got a powerful role to play in making the, the world a better place. And the role of me and, and other adults is to put in place the, the laws and the policy and everything to, to help make that happen. But what's really important is, is that is that you've got a right to be heard and we have to listen to you. So use it. And- oh, thank you. So thank you so much, Alma Constance. And, and thank you also, Lucinda. It's been, been a huge pleasure to speak to you. And I think this is a really good example of being a human rights defender, using your voice through this podcast to really discuss issues and to, to let other children and young people know that that you're an important part of, of this conversation so thanks so much for letting me be part of it great well that's lovely thank you so much bruce for coming on the program thank you for coming well alma what do you think about what bruce told us well bruce does say that his job is the best in the world he has young advisor panels to work with his team which put children's views in perspective He had three top priorities when he started his job, raising the age of criminal responsibility, preventing adults from physically punishing children, and incorporating human rights law into legislation. He said that criminalising kids makes the situation worse, and he was successful in raising the age of criminal responsibility from 8 years old to 12 years old, but he did want it to be 16. He believes that if children's human rights are supported, it will enable them to fulfil their potential. Yes, I think it was really interesting that he uses children as young advisors to get a wide range of experiences and views. In our podcast, we've been exploring how laws work and affect young people. All of these things help children understand their rights and responsibilities so that they can make informed decisions not only about their lives, but also for voting for MPs who make the laws and understanding how the legal justice system works. It's also important that children know they should be kept safe and that adults must care for them. Remember, if you have any worries, talk to an adult you trust and tell them how you feel. This includes your teachers at school who are there to look after you too. So tell them you need to talk to them. Keep your questions coming in. Please subscribe, rate and share the podcast with your friends. 
See you soon in the next episode. Bye. Bye.